We're beginning a new series. It's, I can't believe it's the fall already. It doesn't feel like the fall. Uh, it feels like a furnace at times out there, not so much the fall. But I know the fall weather is just around the corner because it's getting a little cooler at nights and uh, things are a little frostier when you get up in the morning and things like that. So it is time to begin our fall series here in September. And today's kind of an overview of where we're heading in September, October, and first part of November. Uh, then we'll hit November and do some kind of our holiday things that we normally do. And I was uh, just praying about this and trying to think of a way that we could do something that was relevant for folks to enjoy. And, of course, part of our goal is to uh, make a push here this fall and uh, next year to uh, attract or get young families to participate and be a part of what's going on. So we've got some announcements we'll make about that here uh, shortly uh, in the next week or so. But we were thinking about a theme, and I just couldn't get over this in my head. It just kept coming up because when we think about the word jeopardy, what do we normally think of? The final jeopardy, we think about the game show. And so we have connected the idea of money or prize winners or answering things to the idea of jeopardy. But the word jeopardy itself is not necessarily a good word for us to feel good about. Because the word jeopardy means that you are at risk or you uh, could be harmed and that could create some kind of loss for you or harm to you or risk to you, even take your life kind of thing. And so I played around with that in my mind, just thinking about this idea of what jeopardy means. And then I came across uh, that scripture in Job, which we'll get to a little bit later on, where it talks about how he felt like he was in jeopardy because he was trying to take life in his own hands. So I started ruminating about all that, and that was kind of going through my mind, and it just kind of struck me how every one of us, we live in jeopardy every day. And because we, uh, we don't always understand, uh, we, uh, don't, we don't look for the cure or we don't look for the answer to our jeopardy. And... I think it's important for us to realize that when we think about Jesus, the job that he does for us, the purpose that he has in his coming was to help us get a clue about what's going on in our life to help us identify the jeopardy that we're in, but also be the answer to the jeopardy we find ourselves in. And so this fall here, we're going to dig into this by looking at the issue of uh, under the the heading of this is jeopardy we're going to look at different issues that we struggle with that jesus gives us clues to answers to that also he is the answer to and the question to like for instance we'll talk about confused feelings we'll get we're going to dig deeply into the top 10 confused feelings people have and then we'll talk about the <clears throat> corrupt thinking that people have we our thinking has been corrupted not just from the standpoint of of evil and good it's just come become corrupted in the sense that we can't even think clearly about things anymore our thinking had been corrupted by different ideas and different uh, things that we're dealing with in this culture i think we're going to break down it into three different areas of 
sexualism, sensualism, and scientism, uh, and we'll rotate those through this, this sermon series. But the idea here is that we don't often know that we have a problem until we read something in the Bible that says this is a problem for us. And Jesus then comes along and we read about Jesus and he's the, not only the answer to it, but he's also the question we need to ask that gets us to the right answer and helps us solve the clues that we need to solve. And hence, that's the kind of jeopardy idea of the game. As we try to figure this out in our fall series, which we're entitled, entitling, This is Jeopardy, or you might see T-I-J exclamation point uh, as shorthand for it. We're going to consider 10 of the names of Jesus that we read about in the Old Testament and New Testament when applied in the Jeopardy format as the question addresses the clue under three categories, confused, corrupted, and compromised. We're going to learn that Jesus has already taught us how to deal with the confusion we feel that's caused by depression, fear, loneliness, stress, helplessness, heartbreak, anxiety, paranoia, guilt, regret. We'll also learn how Jesus helps us reverse any harm that's been caused to us that we have reaped because of our corrupted thinking about sexualism, sensualism, and scientism. And we'll learn how to heal from the injuries caused by the compromised behaviors of sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and idolatry, and witchcraft. You'll recognize those words from Galatians. The names of Jesus we'll consider, and we'll go over these more in depth. R-I-M, the Alpha and Omega, Wonderful Counselor, the Mediator. We'll look at that when we're talking about confused feelings. To heal us from our corrupted thinking, we'll learn more about Jesus as the light of the world, a good shepherd, word of God. And to bring us hope, considering our compromised behavior, we're going to look at Jesus as the bread of life, Lamb of God, and the resurrection of life. And we'll do this to show that Jesus wasn't just a man who lived a couple thousand years ago, and started a religion, he is still alive and active today and wants to be involved in your life to help you overcome, override, and overrule the jeopardy that you face in lives. You might be thinking, well, my life's pretty, pretty decent. I mean, I don't feel like my life is in jeopardy. Have you asked, have you asked Jesus about that yet? Our goal this fall is to see our church grow and we're going to do that by preaching Jesus in such a way that all of us will realize that he is both the answer and the question to the jeopardy of our current times. And we need to help. We need the help and the healing and the hope that every name of Jesus supplies to us. And that's what we'll study together. And hopefully that's what you will help those that you love with as you become more familiar with it. So let's kind of look over the overview here. Now, we talked about the Jeopardy definition, harm that we might face, the loss, the risk, death. All those things come about because of our decisions, because of our thinking. We get confused about our, our, our feelings become confused because of what's going on in our lives. We don't know how to appropriately feel about different things. And 
it will be clear as we go through this study that we are at a kind of an all-time peak of the way people are very confused about their feelings. I mean, we can't even trust our feelings when it comes to what biological sex we are for some people. Now, we're helped along by the world in those types of things. And what Jesus does for us is he makes it clear that he's there to help us in our confusion. He's also there to help us overcome the or override the corruption of our thinking. There are a lot of people who are trying to get us to think a certain way about stuff. And so we have changed um, in a wholesale way, in a moral way. We've changed what we find to be acceptable morally uh, as far as sexuality is concerned. We've done the same thing about sensualism. Uh, that's kind of materialism and all the things that we'll talk about that have to do with what we uh, what we want to have. And then we'll also talk about our current culture as it uh, as we talk about how we have compromised our behavior. And we've done so because there are a lot of things that we just do that the Bible says are sin and we've made them normal in our lives. And as we talk about the Jeopardy game show illustration, we'll use a lot of graphics that kind of refer back to that idea of the game. And I'll keep talking about how Jesus is both the question and he's the clue. Job chapter 13 verse 14 says, Why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life in my hands? And there's no need for us to put our life in our own hands when Jesus saves us from the jeopardy that threatens us. Job was at a moral, having a moral crisis in his own life because his friends were trying to tell him to do some things that he knew he shouldn't do. And that was to take his hands out of God's or take himself out of God's hands and put himself even into more jeopardy. And that's what the world wants you to do. It wants you to take yourself out of the hands of Jesus so that you'll face even more jeopardy in your life. And I'm going to tell you that's not good for you. It will just confuse your feelings. It will corrupt your thinking. It will compromise your behavior even more so and make it even harder for Jesus to bring healing and help and hope to you. So our goal through this fall series as we learn more about the names of Jesus and how they apply to our, cur our current circumstances, we're going to, first of all, help regain an eternal perspective to overcome our confused feelings. I mentioned those top ten again. Depression, fear, loneliness, stress, helplessness, heartbreak, anxiety, paranoia, guilt, regret. We're going to talk about how he will heal us. He will heal as we respect his enlightened principles, which override our corrupted thinking in, when it comes to sexualism, sensualism, and scientism. We need to regain the respect we once had for Scripture as being the final authority as to what is right and wrong. And we live in a culture that doesn't think that way. You know that. It doesn't matter what the Bible says to most people. They don't care. But we need to help people regain respect for those principles because that's what helps us override our corrupted thinking. And then we want to provide hope as we restore educated patterns to overrule our compromised behavior. 
We talked about some of those, sexual immorality, the idolatry, impurity, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, orgies and the like. Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians Galatians chapter 5 where it talks about, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let me run you through a quick overview of the weeks that are upcoming. Maybe you have a friend or neighbor or someone that might benefit from one of these messages that we can share. September the 11th, we're going to talk about how Jesus is, I am. And we're going to tag on to that. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega. So that we can regain our eternal perspective to overcome our confused feelings. We'll do specifically on September 11th with depression, fear, and loneliness. Depression, fear, and loneliness. Jesus said, I am. And then later uh, he's recorded as the Alpha and Omega, which means that he's been around before we got here, before the creation of this world. He'll be around when this world is done and it is all destroyed and used up. He'll be there on the throne with God Do you think if he can handle creation and he can handle the destruction and judgment of all mankind, he can help you get through what you're going through in your life? Sure he can. He just wants you to have an eternal perspective because what the devil does is he gets us locked into specific situations and hurts and failures and harms that people have caused against us. And we can't shake free of those things. So our feelings become so confused that we can't find help in any of those. We cannot be restored. But God wants us to regain our eternal perspective so that we can overcome any kind of confused feelings. We have, for instance, in John chapter 8, there in verse 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What this means is Jesus is not messing. He's not playing. He wants to make it very clear that his purpose here is to set us free from our enslavement. And the context here is the people were angry. They were going to try to kill him because they didn't agree with his particular perspective on things. So Jesus called them out. Matter of fact, he said, you like, you're more like your father, the devil. They didn't like that either. And then Jesus said... As an answer to all this, he offers this. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. And that really ticked him off because he was saying he was God when he said, I am. I am that I am. That's what Moses, or what God said to Moses at the burning bush. I am. Who shall I, who, who shall I say sent me? Tell them I am sent you. See, God is greater than this world. He's greater than the problems of our world. And he affirms that again as the Alpha and Omega, Revelation chapter 1. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And Jesus says, listen, if you look to me and I am the question and you say, who is I am, who is I am, the Alpha and Omega, he'll give you a clue that the confused behaviors or the confused feelings that you have can be addressed. He can help you 
regain an eternal perspective if you have that relationship with him where he's going to help you. So we just need to get his help so that we can overcome him. And he gives us his help by helping us look at things eternally, not in the situation or the circumstance. September 18th, we're going to talk about Jesus as the light of the world. We'll go to the second of our circuit here where we're talking about respecting enlightened principles that override our corrupted thinking. And in this particular message, we'll be talking about sexualism. Now, the problem with our culture right now is that we are sexualizing our children. And what I mean by that is we're putting upon them questions of sexual identity and sexual activity. We're putting on that, that on them when they're little, just children, grade school children, preteen, young teens. They're not, they're not ready for that. They're not suited for that. Their minds are not developed for that. But there are those in our culture who are insisting that we sexualize everything about our culture. You can't even turn on Disney now without there being some sexualism being suggested to your children. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but he will have, but will have the light of life. If there's ever a time that we need Jesus' light right now in this corrupted thinking that we have in this culture, it's right now. We need the light of the world to guide us. And you have to respect his principles, which will override the corrupted thinking that we've allowed to become entrenched in the way that we think every day. And until we as Christians, we admit, we acknowledge, we confess that we're allowing this corrupted thinking of sexualism to overwhelm what we know is right and true, we won't do anything about it. That's why we need to know that Jesus is the, both the question and is the answer here. September 25th, we're going to talk about Jesus as the bread of life. We'll get the third part of the cycle where we're going to talk about restoring educated patterns that overrule our compromised behavior. We'll look at the first set of Things that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5 there, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. John chapter 6, verse 27 through 35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And you might be, answer, be asking, well, what does that have to do with sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery? Just give it a second to think about it. Jesus teaches us that he wants to restore the educated patterns that overrule our compromised behavior because what we've done is we've compromised our behavior in those areas and we have not trusted in him as being our sustenance. And instead of fully believing in him and following the patterns that he's offered to us about monogamy and about purity and about um, faithfulness, we're giving into the ways of the world which breed sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. And if you've been around as long as I have, you've seen kind of this cycle of sexual immorality and even greater impurity into what we call debauchery, where people will just do all kinds of weird things. Why? Because their hearts and their minds are empty. And Jesus is the bread of life that can fill them up. 
so that he can teach them how to overrule that corrupted behavior and follow the pattern of purity and honor and faithfulness that scripture talks about. We'll dig into more on that on the 25th. On October 2nd, we'll start the cycle over again here. And we'll talk about Jesus as the wonderful counselor. Again, we'll be trying to regain eternal perspective to overcome our confused feelings. Specifically, we'll talk about stress, helplessness, heartbreak, and anxiety. I might be describing your week this week. I don't know. Maybe I am. Stress, helplessness, heartbreak, and anxiety. It's good for us to know that we have a counselor Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 describes that counselor. It says, For unto us a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. What's the purpose of his counseling? Is so that we will have peace. He's not just our counselor. He's also the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and his greatness will never end. So it's important for us to repair or regain that eternal perspective in seeing Jesus as both a question of answer and answer to address any jeopardy we might be facing in our life. And that will help us overcome any kind of confused feelings that we might have that are causing stress and helplessness and heartbreak and anxiety in our lives right now. October 9th, Jesus is the shepherd. We'll be in the second cycle here of respecting enlightened principles to override our corrupted thinking. And we'll dig into this issue of sensualism. Now, sexualism, sensualism can reflect sexualism, but sensualism is more just about every appetite we have as humans. Not just our sexual appetite, but our want for everything. And we'll dig into the aspect of materialism and how that affects where we are and how Jesus needs to help us with that, help us respect or respect the eternal principles or enlightened principles to override the corrupted thinking we have when it comes to that. Jesus called himself the good shepherd in John chapter 10. He said, the thief comes out to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's important for us to realize that there's competition for our hearts and our minds. Jesus or the devil's after us, and all he really wants to do is still kill and destroy us. What Jesus wants to do is save us, to give us life and to give us a full life. That's why he says, I'm your good shepherd, and I've laid down my life for you. That's why you can trust me. When we think about respecting the enlightened principles that override our corrupted thinking when it comes to these issues of sensualism, we just need to trust that God, through Christ, has showed us the way. He will protect us and he will provide for us as our shepherd. The devil doesn't want us to think either one of those. He doesn't want us to think that we're protected by God or that God's providing anything from, for us. So we will just sensually try to gather everything we possibly can to make ourselves feel secure, and we never do. You can have the greatest security system in the entire universe, and it still will not make you feel secure. Jesus wants to make us feel secure as our shepherd because he will be there with us always watching over us. 
October 16th, we want to talk about Jesus as the Lamb of God. We'll be talking about restoring educated patterns to overrule our compromised behavior. Specifically, we'll get hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. All these things that we deal with in our world right now, the hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, even the wild orgy-type living, we used to think that there was no way that we'd see some of these things that we're seeing these days. They might have been hidden in dark corners of our country, in communities where no one ever knew about them, but now they're packaged as the latest television program from ABC. We have this Lamb of God, and his whole purpose was to take away the sins of the world, 1 Peter chapter 1. Or John, John 1, 29, it says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John saying this to, John the Baptist saying this to Jesus. And then in First uh, Peter chapter 1, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We've been redeemed. So that we don't have to follow the empty way of life that is filled with hatred and discord and all the other things we've talked about here. Jesus wants to restore the educated patterns that overrule our compromised behavior. And when I say educated, I mean we really have to study. We have to become students, disciples, followers of Jesus. Otherwise, we'll just go along with what the world says is okay. The world says it's okay to be hateful and spread discord and be selfish and always be fighting and be drunk. But Jesus, he saved us from that empty way of life. He redeemed us with something more powerful, more precious, and that was his blood. That's why when we talk about him being the Lamb of God, he was the sacrifice God sent because he loved us so much to take away the sin that destroys us. October 23rd, we uh, hopefully will have a missions report that Sunday. We've been trying to contact our different missionaries. One thing we will do is we will be talking to you about the, uh, the Christian Children's Home of Ohio, Christian Children's Home of Ohio uh, program where they uh, have a program each year where they offer gifts where they offer or they try to solicit gifts for some of their kids that are at the at the home and uh, some of the families that are attached to them it's like operation christmas child only it's a little more specific here in ohio with a mission that we already support we're going to talk to you more about that as a project that we'll do as a church family on october 30th we'll talk about jesus as the mediator Regaining the eternal perspective to overcome our confused feelings of paranoia, guilt, and regret. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, For I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. He wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. 
This is how we, this is, this ha, this has now been witnessed to us at the proper time. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. He's the one that needs to help us overcome our confused feelings of paranoia, guilt, and regret. When we're dealing with this world in which we live, we have those who are in power or authority over us, and they may not be making the wisest decisions, but what is our responsibility to them? We're to pray for them, offer petitions, intercessions, even as we recognize that Jesus Christ is the only one who can mediate between us and God. What that means is these people who might be trying to do things, they might be trying to be our Savior. We cannot let them be our Savior. They can be a leader. We may have to live with their leadership. But Jesus is our mediator. He's our Savior. And when we think of Jesus as our mediator and our Savior, it takes a lot of burden off of us, a lot of frustration, because we're always worried about who the latest president is and what that person is doing. And sure, I mean, from a personal standpoint, one president might make us miserable and the other one might make us happy. But none of them are our Savior. And it didn't make any difference who is president of the United States of America or emperor of the world. Jesus is on the throne. He's our mediator. And that's what gives us our sense of peace. And instead of being paranoid and full of guilt and regret all the time, we can have the peace that passes all understanding because we know Jesus is watching over us. November 6th, we're going to talk about Jesus as the Word of God. Respecting enlightened principles of overrider corrupted thinking of scientism. Now, this whole idea of scientism, again, if you're not familiar with the term, we've talked about it here before. It's when we begin to worship science over uh, common sense in a, in a sense where it's, it's kind of like when a scientist says, I am God, because I'm a scientist, you will listen to me. I can't be wrong because I am science. I'm a scientist. It's when we elevate or we begin to, uh, uh, to put people who are in uh, positions over us who say that they know what's best for us in the name of science, we make them our God and we listen to them without any kind of questioning or thought. That's what scientism wants you to do. But we have the word of God. And as John 1, 1 14 says, part of it, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. And without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's important to remember that no matter what we think, no matter what we believe, no matter what anybody tells us, we still have the Word of God that is the light that tells us what is dark. It shows us what is not true. Jesus is the one who made all things we are made, and nothing was made without him that has been made. He is our life. So anytime we start to consider anything in this world that has corrupted our thinking and clouded our ability to just have the sense that God has given us, We've stopped listening to the word of God and we've started elevating and exalting the word of man. November 13th, our last in this series, we'll talk about resurrection and the life. We'll be restoring educated patterns to overrule our compromised behavior of idolatry 
and witchcraft. And the reason these things are are important and put together is we sometimes think in terms of witchcraft being of some kind of dark art, but it's in the same category as idolatry, according to Paul here. Idolatry and witchcraft. When we worship men instead of the Creator. Jesus is the resurrection of life, according to John Evans. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What the world will offer us through idolatry and witchcraft is to bow before uh, incantations and little idols and icons to give us life. But there is no life in those things because they don't last. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he will restore us if we'll follow the patterns that he educates us within Scripture that overrule the compromised behavior of idolatry and witchcraft. In reality, as we go through this series of messages, it's my hope that we can help better understand that God is both the question and the answer to all the things that are going on in your life that are causing you to suffer. If there's anything that's making you struggle, whether it's your feelings, it's your thinking, or it's your behavior, Jesus has already solved it for you. You just need to make sure you ask him, are you the, the, are you the question and the answer to my situation? We might not be aware, but that's the trick of the devil for us every day. He wants us to look at the clues of life, the things that we struggle in, and he wants to offer us alternative ways of thinking about what the answer might be. So we think of the question in a different way. Instead of how can Jesus be the answer, we think about how we are the answer or how, about, or how someone that we know isn't, is the answer in our life. And the things that happen to us in life and the mistakes we make, they're just clues which should lead us to ask the right question, and that is, who is Jesus? Anytime you sin, anytime you fail, anytime you falter, anytime you get frustrated, you should be asking, where is Jesus in this? And who is Jesus in this? And when we have those confused feelings and we're frustrated by the things that are going on in our life, we need to remember that he is the I am and the Alpha and Omega. He is our wonderful counselor. He is our mediator. And then we can make sense of what we're going through in our life. And when we discover who he is, we begin to understand that he is the answer, which helps us through our sorrow. He heals us through our struggles and he gives us everything that we need to overcome our sin. You might be familiar with Ken Jennings. His name is synonymous with Jeopardy now. Used to be Alex Trebek was, his name was synonymous. Probably still is for most people, but Ken Jennings, uh, he was considered the greatest of all time uh, Jeopardy player. You guys recognize Ken. He's gone on to parlay that into several different shows where he gets to 
uh, show uh, off his his ability, uh, his his smart, so to speak. He is considered the greatest of all time, Jeopardy champ, because he got 98% of his answers and questions correct. Now, reportedly, he is... Um, He's, he's Mormon, so I don't necessarily want to say that he's a believer in Christ the way that we are. There's some nuance in the way they believe that's different than what we teach. But most people say he's a good guy. And there are others. There was actually one guy who had an even higher percentage of, uh, of uh, answers, just a few points, uh, percentage points higher than even Ken Jennings got better answers and questions correct. But the only question that's important and the only answer that really matters, you can get everything else right, but if you don't get this one right, you fail, you lose. And that is, who is Jesus? And how is he applying what he is and who he is to my situation? If you'll always ask ask that question and give that answer, then no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of feelings you're struggling with, no matter what kind of thinking that is just got you so befuddled because it's become corrupted, and no matter what kind of behavior you've done that, that's corrupt, compromised, don't worry about it. Jesus has already spoken and taught us who he is and what he is that solves that problem for us. But we will never think in those terms until we understand that we are, all of us, in jeopardy. This is jeopardy. And this is what we'll be learning together in the months ahead. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, an opportunity to just do an overview of what we're going to be talking about here in the next 10 weeks or so. Lord, I'm mindful that in our lives, we are fraught with struggle, sorrow, sin, that we are filled with frustration and these feelings that we just can't shake at times. We just don't think that we can overcome or override or overrule what's going on in the world around us. But thank you that we will be learning that Jesus Christ is both the question and the answer that can help us figure out the clue. Now, it's not about being lazy. It's just not saying, well, Jesus, about everything, you've made it more challenging for us to think about him in the different names that he uses to represent his character and his power in our life. We thank you for that. We thank you that he is the I am that we can put our faith and trust in, the light of the world that really does help us. That he's our wonderful counselor, our good shepherd, the lamb of God, the mediator, the word of God, the resurrection and the life. And that in all those things, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter what frustration we have, Jesus is both the question and the answer. And his very purpose 
for existence, for coming to this earth, was to seek and to save us. To find us in our sorrow. Find us in our sin. Find us in our frustrations. And help us. And if not for us, Lord, help us to be mindful of what we're hearing so that we can help those around us. Because we all know people who are confused. They are so confused in what they feel right now that they are lonely and depressed. They are filled with all kinds of things that they don't need to be filled with right now. We have family members. Their thinking has become so corrupted, we can't even talk with them anymore. Their mindset, what they believe in, what they've come to accept is moral, just so ungodly and so debased. We can't even talk with them about things. We can't even share our lives with them on some levels. Lord, teach us. Teach us through the character and the names of Jesus how to overcome that, how to override that. And Lord, there are people in our lives that they've, their behaviors are so compromised that they probably feel like they're not even worthy of salvation. They've gone so far down the rabbit hole that there's no way to escape, no way to get out. Help us, Father, to be there for them, to remind them that we have a Savior, Jesus, the resurrection and the life. He's here for us to, to help us overrule those ideas of our compromised behavior by reminding us that he holds no grudge against us. No charge will come that Satan makes against us in his mind because he is, he is the lamb. He is the mediator. He is the one who has stepped up and died for all of those sins for us so that at some point we could rise up and be set free. So I pray, Lord, that as we go through all these things in the next 10 weeks or so, that you'll be with us, help our church to grow. We're praying for our hundred, that you'll bring in the people, our friends, our neighbors, anyone who might need to hear this message. We believe in you, God. We trust in you to bring this about. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let all God's people say amen.